Hey, everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast, and spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. 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 Welcome to the show, everybody listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and reach me that way as well. Either works for me, just get a hold of me. Today, we got a good show coming up here. We have Kelsey coming on the show today. And Kelsey has some wild things that happened to her regarding to witches and demons and just unexplainable events. Her dad was a... Bigfoot and cattle mutilation researcher. She talks about that as well today. And she also talks about being put in a mental hospital on and off for seven years, being misdiagnosed, which opened her up to supernatural activity. We get into all this kind of stuff with Kelsey and her sharing her life story, which I think is actually very interesting. And I actually shared a story last year with a woman who went into the mental field as a profession because she believed that people were being misdiagnosed. And Kelsey is one of those people was being misdiagnosed. And she actually comes on today to talk about these kind of things. So let's get to Kelsey right now. All right. Today we have Kelsey on the show. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. So uh, Kelsey, you have a unique story you want to share with us today. It seems very unique to me. Uh, and we were just kind of game planning how this is all going to unfold. And sometimes I have people who uh, will email and they'll have, you know, this experience, this experience, and this experience. And it's and I can just easily just kind of navigate like, okay, so let's talk about this experience now. Uh, you, you're you going to be weaving more of a life story for yourself here. Uh, it involves uh, running, running into witches to um, having more personal um, 
let's just put it, the personal things happening in life that I'll let you unpack on your own. I don't want to say too much. Uh, but even down to medical di- misdiagnosis. Uh, I, in fact, I did have somebody on the show not too long ago that uh, she actually went into the medical industry uh, to understand more of this stuff. And she was out, very outspoken that she believes that some people who are diagnosed with you know, mental instabilities, they're not mentally unstable. They actually have a demon problem. And uh, she, she has come to the conclusion that there are a lot of people who are misdiagnosed uh, in the medical industry because the medical industry doesn't give room for spiritual warfare. And so um, we're going to talk about those kind of things today too. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of uh, take the reins on this and share with the audience uh, how things unfolded in your life. And I'll pop in and out and uh, ask questions as needed. But uh, Kelsey, the time is yours. Uh, we'll start off with uh, your first experience. I think it was in your childhood. Uh, and uh, we'll just go from there, however you want to take it. All right. Well, let's see. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest um, in Oregon. and there's, you know, a lot of things that happen up there on the coast. I grew up always being told about spiritual warfare, knowing that this was real, but I didn't understand to what extent. So my parents are very much, um, they're very vocal on, you know, don't play Pokemon, don't do these things. You know, this is made by wizards or, you know, all this stuff is real. Um, and, you know, we were forbidden to read Harry Potter and all of that stuff. Um, I didn't really understand why I just, you know, I grew up in an evangelical church and, um, was just under this idea that, okay, those things are bad. We don't, you know, mess with that stuff. Um, but I, you know, it was in the conversation. I just didn't have a palpable understanding of why. Um, so one of the things that I grew up hearing a lot about and believing in was Bigfoot and it's kind of you know, this Pacific Northwest thing, I feel like everyone is like, you know, big into Bigfoot. And um, I know a lot of people kind of see it as this folklore, urban legend kind of idea. But my dad, actually, um, he's, you know, major hunter, um, and really enjoys talking about all this stuff. And so he actually had some experiences. Um, He and my grandpa one time were out hunting and they were out on this really old logging road in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of funny. He said he saw these enormous poops. Like he couldn't figure out what on earth would leave a poop that big. You know, not, it's not a bear. It's not a cougar. Um, it was just, it wasn't a horse. And, you know, when you're out in the woods all the time, you learn to identify, you know, tracks from animals. And he just had never seen anything like it. And, you know, he's, always out in the woods, you know, tracking animals and stuff. And so, um, uh, so he and my, he and my grandpa were looking at this, like, what on earth is this? And as they're, you know, kind of looking around, they hear this like blood curdling scream. And my, I mean, my dad and my grandpa are both really tough. I mean, they they don't get rattled. And he said they just freaked out and took off and, you know, footed it back to the truck and got out of there because they were like i've never heard anything like this it wasn't you know a cougar or a mountain lion or anything it was just this terrifying scream and you know so i'd heard that story but in the back of my mind thought you know eh, who knows what that is um could be anything and then uh let's see it was probably 2016 2017 i want to say um 
my dad worked for the um, agricultural department at the university that he works for. And they, I guess, funded this research excursion um, out in Christmas Valley, which is this really funky, out-of-the-way town in Oregon. And my dad would go out there and go coyote hunting all the time. So over the years, all these trips led to him kind of, you know, meeting these cattle ranchers at this little cafe. And this one cattle rancher, you know, he has like an eye patch. He's just kind of like lives out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, my dad went out and finally did a like a formal interview with him because he was hearing, you know, stuff about these cattle mutilations out in Christmas Valley. And my dad was like, what are you talking about? You know, like what happened? So I guess the cattle rancher shares in one of these interviews that they were going out and um, they would find these, you know, cattle laying under a tree and there was no blood. There was no sign of anything, but there was like a perfect circle taken up from the inside of the cow. And when he looked up through the tree that the cattle and the cow was laying underneath, um, there was like this perfect circle of branches taken out, like a laser had come down and like, you know, cut through the tree, through this cow and the, um, all the reproductive organs were removed. And this was happening multiple times and these ranchers were sharing this, like what's going on, what kind of psycho is doing this, um, who knows, but it was interesting. And uh, there's, you know, there's all these like different, <laughs> different stories about Christmas Valley, like the, the burlap bag boy. And there, I mean, there's just so many funny stories that I've heard. What's that years, about? So that one. What's the burlap bag boy? He's some guy that lives out in the middle of nowhere and he's like dressed in like burlap and he like, no one really knows who he is and he'll just like appear randomly and then disappear for a long time. Um, but there's all these weird uh, instances people have had where he like is there. And I don't know, my, I don't really remember too much about him. I just remember my dad bringing him up kind of in conjunction with these cattle mutilation stories, but that was, you know, kind of what I grew up hearing. Um, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, so basically, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of where to start, uh, probably going back to right before I moved to Arizona. So I grew up in Oregon and my dad got a job here in Arizona. So we moved down from Oregon to Arizona, my freshman year of high school. And, you know, I had been part of, uh, the church um and was really involved had a lot of friends so when we moved here i was starting over completely starting high school i didn't know anybody and i just felt so depressed i was really angry just didn't understand like why you know we had to leave everything and start over and so um you know i was homeschooled and so my parents really urged me to go to this youth group at a church so that i could make some friends and meet people and I did not want to go, but my parents were just kind of like, you have to go, you have to meet people. Um, and so I went and at the time I had started um, to struggle with self-harm and just very like, I don't know, it was, you know, uh, it wasn't the struggle that it became later. It was kind of like I was trying to deal with, you know, just feeling upset and didn't really understand what I was engaging in. And so at this youth group, I met this guy, um, and so he, 
I guess one of the girls found out that I was struggling with this and told him. And so, you know, he went out and talked to me. I remember we sat out on the curb of this parking lot outside of the youth group one night and just talked for a long time and talked about it. And so he became one of my best friends and later on ended up marrying my best friend in Oregon. And I ended up marrying his best friend, Curtis. And so the four of us were really close. Um, So as I was getting to know him, you know, he had shared that, you know, he was all about Jesus really into, um, I don't know, church stuff. Um, it just seemed, seemed on the surface to be, you know, a Christian and then started sharing more personal details about his life. And I came to learn that he had been, and perhaps still was, I didn't understand at the time how that worked, um, that he had been a warlock and was part of a coven. And so he started sharing with me how he had a demon and he, I don't remember the demon's name, um, but he would ask this demon for things like, you know, popularity or good looks or whatever it is that he wanted. And he would get those things. And so the more I spent time with him, you know, he was like encouraging me in a, you know, in a way that was encouraging me to look to the Lord and, you know, focus on God and look at the things in this positive way. But then he was also sharing all of these really dark elements of his life, um, sharing his own struggles with self-harm and, um, you know, bloodletting and all this stuff. And, uh, that stuff just really, I don't know, it got to me somehow where I, I, it's like, I knew not to go there and not to mess with that stuff. But then part of me, I was, you know, an immature, stupid teenager. And also just really curious because, you know, I was always told not to mess with that stuff. Like, don't touch the stove. You're going to get burned. But, you know, me being stupid, I'm like, well, I want to touch the stove. And so, um, you know, I started, um, I didn't, I didn't really have like a specific way that I went about it. I was just curious. And so I remember in my room, I started to talk to Satan and then I felt terrified. Um, but I was also like, I'm going to make God mad. I'm so angry at him for all the things that, you know, I'd been through up until that point, there had been, you know, a lot of like childhood sexual abuse and stuff like that, that I had no idea how to deal with. Um, and so I was just feeling this cumulative buildup of anger. So I started, um, you know, experimenting more with, um, with cutting and with talking to Satan and just doing it in a way that I, I wanted to like, look at God, say like, look at me, I'm talking to Satan. Aren't you mad? You know, just this very rebellious, selfish attitude. So, um, that <laughs> that was pretty short lived. It was like, while I was here in Tucson and then 15 months later, we moved back to Oregon. And by that point, you know, I was, I was really sucked into some dark ways of thinking a lot of suicidal ideation and also just felt really terrible for opening myself up in that way and really wanted to live my life for the Lord. Um, and I felt caught in this crosshair between being pulled into this darkness and then also knowing that it was wrong and wanting to be close with, with Jesus. And so it was kind of this back and forth thing where I feel like I started to develop this really secret life where I would go to church. I was super involved in ministry and mission trips and all this stuff. But then on the other hand, you know, when I was alone, I just felt consumed by this darkness and didn't know how to talk about it. 
So I started journaling and I remember just freaking out thinking I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. Um, when we moved back to Oregon, things started to get worse. Um, I started to hear voices and I started to have this I don't know if it was an apparition or what, but it was this lady in this red dress and she would just appear and she would laugh at me. And I would see her just like out of the corner of my eye. And then I would like turn to look at her and she'd be gone, but I could hear her laughing. I could just feel her presence. And, um, I started struggling with eating enough. I was, I was just going down this really you know dark road and I just felt convinced like I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. And I can't tell anybody because this is, I don't know, early 2000s. And there wasn't the conversation around mental illness and mental health the way there is now. So I just stuffed it all down. I went to the library and read every single book I could get my hands on concerning abnormal psychology and mental illness. And I was just seeking desperately to understand what I was dealing with because I thought I'm just going crazy. I took classes at the community college in my town um, on abnormal psychology in a desire to just understand what I was dealing with without actually telling anybody what was going on. So I thought, you know, if I can just learn what's going on, I'll figure out how to fix it and no one has to know. Um, and so this started getting worse and worse. Um, the friend that was a warlock previously that I had known in Arizona, he and I were still talking a lot. Um, and he sent me this book that we started going through called He Came to Set the Captives Free. And I can't remember the name of the author off the top of my head, but I remember reading that book and thinking, this is a little far-fetched. I don't understand how this could all be real, but it, it was interesting. And, um, and then a lot of those things in the book started to happen to me. And um, so the voices that I had started to hear became clearer and they started to command me to do different things like soaking my head in cold water and going down the street. You know, I lived in Oregon, so it was cold in the winter and I'd go down in a tank top and like wet clothes, wet hair and go down to this historic cemetery that was um, just down the street from my parents' house on this hill we lived on. And, you know, I'd be told to just lay there in the rain or I'd be told to cut myself and put blood on the gravestones and wait to die. And, um, I was, it was just like, I was just getting the weirdest commands and I didn't understand why I was hearing these things or felt the compulsion to obey what I was hearing, but it was like I was in this sort of trance. This was and a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today.